But let me tell you the truth. JP's a chump, okay? And um, we're talking about dating. And you get to learn from a guy tonight. I pray the Holy Spirit would intersect with my words. You get to learn from someone who did a lot of things wrong uh, on this campus, around this city. And um, you've heard people say no regrets. Lots of regrets here. Lots of regrets. I preach from my regrets. And so such a privilege to be here with you guys. Vertical, what's up, man? It's so great to be here. I mean, look, there's people up there too. What's up, guys? What's up, fam? How y'all doing? Man, all right. What's more? The Feral Center is this. That's a dumb question, I'm sure. But what? Feral Center has more. Okay, just do this real quick. Everybody stand up. Okay, now just like, just look that way. Y'all look this way up there, but you look, the, look up there. You see all those people? Man, that's amazing that you guys leverage relationships and invite people, wave to them. But look, look, you know, so I love that and I'm so hyped. And then I just see some, I see some empty seats up there. And, and some, look, some up here too. Some empty seats right here. Okay, and so anybody know somebody not here? All right, let's get them here, okay? Because we're going to talk about God and from his word. And I'm not talking about for me or from Dale or for anybody else. But dude, God is doing something in this city, y'all. He's doing something here. It's I'm hearing about it in Dallas. I like drove down here with my heart just welling up with anticipation because like the spirit of God, Bono said, you know, stop asking God to, to bless what you're doing and start moving or going where God is already blessing things. Dude, God is blessing stuff here, man. It is amazing. Such a privilege, truly a privilege to be with you tonight. Okay, so I want to start by telling you a story. I want to talk about sunglasses, okay? Anybody ever bought a pair of sunglasses? What's your, what's your brand? Ray-Bans, okay. Costa, okay. Maui Gems, anybody Maui Gems? Okay. CVS, the specials, $9.99. Dude, so Monica and I, my wife and I, we went on, on a trip to Mexico, and I got there. We were in Cancun, vacation, anniversary trip, and I got there, and I'm going through my bag, and I can't find my sunglasses. Now, you can't go to the beach without the sunglasses, and mine were already really old, and so I'm like, okay, I think this, and, and like vacation money is not like real money, okay? It's like play, and so I'm like, hey, we got to go, right? That's true, right? And that's biblical? No. And so they were like, hey, we got to go buy some sunglasses. So we went shopping. There's a mall there in Cancun, and, and, and you know, they're smart there. So they got a lot of sunglasses. Sunglass are us, sunglass hut, sunglasses are here. They had all kinds of sunglass stuff. And so I'm, I'm walking through this, the store and I'm trying them on. And so I put on some aviators and I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, no, two top gun, you know? And I'm like, put on some wayfarers. And I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, no, two last year. And so uh, I'm like trying on just, I feel, I feel like I tried on literally, it, it feels like a hundred pair of sunglasses. We went in six stores Okay, just to see what they were. I, all the ones you said at minus CVS, all those different kinds, just to see if I could find a pair that, that fit my face. Like just, just trying them on. Hey, how do I look? You know, what are these? I'm trying to find the mirror. What, is, what do these look like on me? These fit my face, bigger, smaller lenses, polarized, mirrored lenses, what I do. And it was just like it exhausted the better part of half a day trying to find sunglasses. And just the unknown, because I didn't really know what the target was, um, it just kind of left me flailing, just trying different things. It's very different than another sunglass purchasing experience I had. My friend Shane, his car got broken into when we were together, and somebody went in and stole his sunglasses. I was with him, 
And so he's pretty bummed out about it. And I said, dude, I got you. I'm going to buy you another pair of sunglasses. And I said, what kind do you want? And he's like, I want what I had. And I'm like, well, what did you have? And, and he said, I wrote it down. He said, RB8301, size 56. <laughs> model number, is what he said, model number RB8301, size 56. I was like, size 56? They, these come in sizes? I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? And so it was such a different uh, purchasing experience because now I walk into Sunglass Hut and I'm like, hey, excuse me, do you have RB8301, size 56? And they're like, oh, yes, sir. Okay, come here. So the Ray-Bans are over here. Let me show you. Did you see the Wayfarers? No, no, no. You don't understand. But I'm looking for RB8301, size 56. And he's like, okay, great. Well, I don't know if you've seen the new line of Maori gems. <laughs> what are we, am I not making sense here? I'm looking for RB8301, size 56. If you don't have those, then I'm wasting your time and you're wasting mine because that's what I'm looking for. I'm on a mission to find one particular pair of sunglasses, walk in another store. I'm like, hey, excuse me, do y'all have uh, RB8301, size 56? And they're like, oh, size 56, these actually come, the standard size is size 59. I'm like, I know, my friend has a really tiny head. I need, <laughs> I need size 56. Because if you don't have them, then there's nothing for us to talk about. It's not going anywhere, this momentary relationship. And see, these guys, they're professional salesmen. They're professional salespeople. Everything they're doing, all of their training, and all of the advertisement in the store exists so that I will make a purchase. But uh, me being a wise shopper, I'm not going to make a purchase unless they have what I'm looking for. See, there's two types of shopping. There's one, when you're just kind of coping from something and and you find yourself with a little bit of money in your pocket and all of a sudden you're walking through the mall and you like find yourself in Brookstone like looking at some remote control helicopter that's controlled by your iPad thinking this is what I've always wanted you know and, and, uh, and like oh those shoes are cute and, uh, and, and so you just are wondering you don't really know what you're shopping for and then there's the second kind of shopping I'm here on a mission I know exactly what I'm looking for RB8301 Size 56. That's what I'm looking for. What I've learned is I've just gotten to spend time with thousands of young adults and college students all over the country. Is we all enjoy this thing dating, and a lot of us even want to get married, but we have no idea what we're looking for. And so, what you're doing is you're wasting your time. And you look back, if you don't believe me, just look backwards at the relationships you've been in because none of them have worked out. And so we have to start with like kind of a position of humility, like, oh man, we're not very good at this. Trying to find someone to spend the rest of my life with, and it, and it hasn't worked out all that much. And so if you're here and you've never dated anyone, you've never been on a date, from my vantage point, from my perspective, you're the most fortunate person in the room, or, or I'll say the most blessed person in the room, because you've spared yourself all kinds of heartache that your friends around you haven't spared themselves of that they've gotten to experience. And so consider yourself blessed by God. And so that's what I want to talk about with you for just a few minutes is we're in this series, Ring Before Spring, which is just amazing. I love that. And we're talking about finding the one or, or what to look for. Finding the one. That's what everyone wants. So I want to find the one. But let me just kind of rock your categories up front, okay? There is no one. You're not looking for the one. You're looking for someone whose heart belongs to God. Now let me hit that home for you for a minute because I married my wife, Monica, 
And this is how I say, is, this is how I make this point. Is there someone better suited for Monica than me? It's not rhetorical. Uh, you can answer. You can shout out your answer if you want. Is there someone better suited for Monica than me? Good. It's clear then. Okay. Guys, there are hundreds of thousands of men that would be better for my wife than me. More compatible. They'd get along better. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of people. Like, like if, if I'm the only one for her, then what a sense of humor God has. I'm six foot seven inches tall. Like, like I'm in weird tall category, okay? She's five foot three, right? I, I like the UFC and, and motorcycles and guns. And she likes flowers and puppies and, you know, th- those kinds of things. And so we're just very different people. And we're, we're learning to love each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be abundantly clear in case I'm, she's the one for me because she's the one I said I do to. She, she's, she said to me, hey, until death do us part for richer or poor sickness and health, as long as we both shall live. And so for that reason, we're the one. But when we were looking, there are literally hundreds of thousands of guys that she could have been happy with, uh, that she could have had a life with. There's not like just this one. And, and this is, if you're, some of you, I just heard your minds go, you know. And so, uh, but this should hit the pressure release valve a little bit. That you're, you know, you're trying to find that needle in a haystack, those star-crossed lovers, that person that was born right about when you were, and they've been lost throughout the world, and hopefully you bump into each other. Just, it's okay. It's okay. There's a lot of people that you could marry and honor the Lord with. There's a lot of people. That's, that's the good news, okay? And so... As we move through this, I just want to talk about what you're looking for. I want you to be shopper number two, not shopper number one. As, and the way that we do this is uh, through a modern phenomenon called dating. Dating is only about 100 years old. So if you're here and you think, I know everything there is to know about dating, you know, it it's, hasn't existed that very long. In fact, the Bible, it's nowhere, not even mentioned in here. Dating's nowhere in here, nowhere in here. Nowhere in here. In fact, this whole book, like if I was to show you everything about relationships, it's about that much. Because this book is about another relationship, one much more important, one that you can have whether you ever get married or not. All right. Dating actually started in the 30s as a euphemism for prostitution. When the, when the word showed up in the dictionary, it meant paying someone for sex. And now we use it commonplace as going out and, and trying to find a spouse. And so let me give you uh, five things that the scripture identifies that you should look for uh, as you're seeking someone to spend the rest of your life with. And so it's always my preference to teach a passage. Tonight I'm going to teach you one verse. I'm going to be, I'll give you a lot of scripture, a lot of Bible, but really one verse. It's First Timothy 4 verse 12. And, and just so in case there's any scholars or theologians that are going to send me an email saying this verse is not about marriage or dating, you're right, it's not, okay? I have zero problem with you writing this verse down and you looking for this in a husband or a wife. This is an amazing list that this verse gives us. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, very relevant to us. The, the church sees us as the young people in the church. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith. 
faith and in purity. And so that's what we're going to talk about, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And what you're going to see is this actually gives you some really practical things that you can look for so that when you're in the dating world, you're not like, oh, I want to try on 100 pairs of sunglasses. You're like, I'm looking for RB8301, size 56. That's, that's what I want. And so the first one is speech. And so the question that I would give you is, what do they say? Write that question down. What do they say? What comes out of their mouth? How do they set an example in their speech? Okay, are they always negative? Is the glass always half empty? Do they walk around with a chip on their shoulder? Does he struggle with anger, miss a free throw, take the ball, throw it through the window, and shout? And it's just like, because that dude, is not going to be a good husband or a good father. What comes out of their mouth? This is easy, and it's very, very important. Is she feisty? Does she take pride in being sassy? The proverb says you'd be better off on the corner of a roof than to be married to her. It says that you would be better with a dripping faucet, like Chinese water torture, than to be married to that woman. That's just what God's word says, okay? I'm just reading the Bible to you. I'm in, I'm in a restaurant with my family, and this lady is in front of me, and she's wearing this shirt that says, you call me a bee like it's a bad thing, except it says the word, you know, the, the word. And, and, um, and I'm like, whoa. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I, I, I think it is a bad thing. <laughs> and so I was going to go and talk to her about it, but I was scared. Um, and because anyways, and so I'm just like, man, this is something really easy to observe what comes out of their mouth. And the reason why it's so important is because Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, really throughout the Gospels. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. Well, Jesus, how do we know what's stored up in their heart, Jesus? Will you tell? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You want to see what's in their heart? Look at their mouth. Are they gossip? Are they always talking about people? Are they, are they did you hear people? When you see them, did, hey, did you hear? Did you hear? That's not God-honoring. They, they store up in their heart. Their, their heart is a treasure chest of gossip. They're always thinking about other people. And the negative thing, that's a big thing, man. And if I'm talking about you, I mean, there's, there's work you can do, the Holy Spirit can do in your life to change this. But can I tell you something? Because I've got a few years in front of you. And... Um, Man, the real world is, it's why I wrote that book, honestly. The real world, is, it's hard. You graduate from college, your whole life, everything's kind of been structured. Now, I know the tests are hard and, and you know, going to class and, and the, the pressures and the anxieties that you feel. Like, I get that. And, and as lovingly as I can tell you, it only gets more difficult. And sometimes, like, ministry in particular is, is really hard. You're, you're carrying the burdens of so many people. There's suicidal people and people who are cutting themselves and people who are sad and experiencing depression and they're coming to you and they want help and you're pointing them to God and it's kind of all day, every day. And, and then you teach and you pour out to others. And so when I go home, I don't want Chinese water torture or to be on the corner of a roof. Like,
Like, I, like, man, by the grace of God, he gave me, you know what he gave me? He gave me a cheerleader. That's, that's what he gave me. Like, she's just in my corner saying, hey, you can do it. Keep going. Let me remind you who God is. And, and it, by the grace of God, it's, I keep moving. And it's amazing. Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up so that it may benefit those who listen. It's Ephesians 4.29. It's not up there. It's in my heart because I have my kids say that verse every day before I drop them off to school. I say, hey, do you use your words to tear down or build up? And they say, build up, daddy. And I say, that's right. You use your words today to build up. The second thing that you look for is their conduct, it says in the scripture. Or the the question I give you is, what are they known for? What are they known for? In your Bible, it actually might even say their life. Where it says conduct in mind, it may say their life. What is the trajectory of their life? Proverbs 20 verse 11 says, even small children are known by their actions, right? And so you want to see if their conduct is pure and upright. This is just an easy to say, what is their reputation? Reputation. It's not just a T-Swift album. It's something that you should look for, right? And, And here's why. Because the reason that we did the only reason that we date is to get married. That's the crazy thing is you don't date to experience fun with the opposite sex. You don't date to experience manic highs and lows. I love you. I hate you. Uh, Let's go here. Get out of my truck and walk home. It's, it's, It's kind of funny because it's close to home for some of you. You don't date for that. You date trying to quickly effectively and efficiently identify, is this someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so just like you would do anything else in life, engage your brain, engage your mind, and, and have some sort of list, right? Now you have a list probably, you know, I want him to be a doctor and her to be blonde or brunette or, you know, this tall. That's a dumb list, okay? If your standards are not God's standards, then your standards are silly. I wanted to say stupid, but I don't know you well enough yet. And so if your standards are not God's standards, then your standards are silly. And so consider what they're known for, the reputation. And here's the other kind of pressure relief valve, because I, well, I said, you know, it's not just one person that you're looking for. The other good news is, is it's, it's a small pool of people that you can look from. It's people whose hearts are fully committed to God, the creator of the universe. They know the one true God, the whole trajectory of their life. That's what they're known for. Everyone around you is like, oh, that's who they are. In Song of Solomon, uh, chapter one, verse four, it says that their friends praised their love more than wine, which is really to say the most exciting thing at the wedding was how much these two belonged to each other. And the reason that they found each other is because their friends and family around them said, man, you two belong to each other. You both love God. And it's, a, it's an arranged marriage, and you can still have that kind of arranged marriage today in 2018. You two, man, y'all both love Jesus. Like, y'all should just be together. And so you hope somebody plays that role for you, and you can play that role for somebody else, just knowing, hey, what is it that they are known for? You're not just looking for people who are compatible. Because if she's a sinner and he's a sinner, 
they're incompatible. And the only thing that's going to bring compatibility into that relationship is both of them being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And there's never been a divorce between two people surrendered to the Holy Spirit ever in the history of the world. And so the divorce rate is about 50%. Unhappy marriage rate, much higher. Very, most people, like the vast majority of the room, you're going to fail at marriage. That, statistically speaking. But if both of you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you will absolutely succeed. There's never been a failure rate between that person. And so the scripture says that charm is deceptive. It's Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There was this girl that was going to marry this guy and... And we kind of heard, so it was the, the wedding was going to happen uh, there at, at, at our church. And uh, we had caught word right before the wedding that he was, uh, had a history of abuse. And so we pulled her aside right before the wedding. Hey, did you know this? And she's like, what? Why are you telling me this right before the wedding? I'm like, how mean, how cruel of you. Why would you do this? He's charming. He's been incredible to me. He's so kind. Well, okay, that's cool. I, I understand. But did you know? We just want to know. Did you know. No, I didn't know. Are you sure? I don't believe you. Well, we, we don't think you should go through with it whatever I'm so angry at you I'm angry at my church we're getting married they get married they go on the honeymoon it was amazing they come back from the honeymoon he throws her down a flight of stairs and breaks both of her legs and we were there to pick up the pieces we came back around it wasn't like I told you so time it's like hey we love you okay we understand he was charming can I tell you something ladies charm is deceptive like he may come at you and be like let's saw. What light through yonder window breaks. <laughs> it is the east and Juliet is the sun. Is your name Juliet? Arise for a sun and kill thee of his moon is already sick and pale with grief. He may sing to you, write you poetry, and he may be a fraud. Like there's dudes here tonight, they're going to take this list and use it as a tool to prey on people. And they've got a Bible and they've even memorized verses. And they will hurt you. And it's not just the guys. There's women here. Proverbs 6, women here who will hurt you. And so you, you have to observe their, their life, right? Like what they're looking for. And it doesn't just say charm is deceptive, but it says beauty is fleeting. What does that mean? It means it's going away. That's what it means. It means like beauty is going away. Let me prove it to you, okay? Anybody here super attractive to an 80-year-old? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> Don't do that. I saw somebody was excited. Oh, no. Where am I? No, don't do that. Don't do that, okay? But you're all, by the grace of God, I hope, one day going to be 80. And here's what that means. We're all getting uglier. <laughs> like, don't hate me. Like, it's just the truth. Like, that's what happens. Beauty's fleeting. Beauty's Fleeting. It's going away. And so here's what that means is you don't just want to chase someone because of what they look like because their looks are changing. And, and ladies, you don't want to get a guy with your body because you're going to lose him for the same reason. And guys are like, you, you, your list, like I get your list and you're like, you know, I'm a, I'm a boob guy or I'm a, I'm a butt guy. No, you're a dumb guy. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth, okay? Can, can you do me a favor, men? Don't ever say that stupid stuff ever again. Ever. Don't ever say that again, okay? It grieves the Lord. I'm convinced of it, all right? 
And so ladies, don't catch guys with your body. Your body's not bait. So let's just talk about modesty for a second, just a moment. It's 1 Peter 3, verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or jewelry and fine clothes. And you say, oh man, so I can't wear gold jewelry. So it says, it says that's not where your beauty should come from. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And so you say, what do I do with that? Do you dress attractively or do you dress to attract? Because there's a difference. When you dress to attract, you're a fishing lure, right? And you're going to catch a dumb bass, all right? (laughs) Don't be a fishing lure, okay? Don't use your body as bait, people are known for, the reputation. Let me just hit this home with you. Um, charm is deceptive, charm is deceptive. Let's say that I need some money. And, um, and so I'm gonna go to the bank for a loan. And so that I have to convince this loan agent to give me some money. And so here's what I do, you ready? I go and I rent a Bentley, $400,000 car. And I put on a $3,000 Brioni suit. And I get a nice leather briefcase. I mean, I've, I've got it together. I'm walking in there. I, I've got a 600 pair of sunglasses, dollar sunglasses on. I'm, I'm walking in there. like, and, and so I sit down with this guy and I say, hey, I need $10,000. Right? I need 10 grand. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? I know there's got to be some finance majors here. What's he going to do? What's he going to check? He's going to pull my credit. He doesn't care what car I drive. He doesn't care what suit I'm wearing. He doesn't care what my sunglasses or my briefcase look like. He's going to look at my track record. Because all of those things can lie. And in my case, they would. He's going to say, hey, how have you done with other people's money? And when you're considering who you might spend the rest of your life with, that's what you should check. Not their credit, but how have they done with other people's hearts? What's their track record? What's their reputation? What's their conduct? Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. The third question I would ask you is what do they love? What do they love? It says love in this verse. What do they love? What are the objects of their affections? And so what I would just say here is you want to find somebody who is going to love you well, right? Whenever we go somewhere, like we just went to a retreat or, or like you guys are here, you're going to be in the, the Feral Center next week. Um, what I would encourage you to do is leave that place better than you found it. Okay, that's what's going to bless the owner of that property is that if vertical comes in and they leave it better than they found it. Like there was trash when you walked in, but you left with it. You put it up, you threw it away. I just think that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And likewise, when you're dating someone, you should leave them better than you found them. Like if it doesn't work out, imagine that crazy phenomenon that they wouldn't hate you or cry themselves to sleep. That they literally and genuinely would be really glad they spent some intentional time with you. Can you even imagine that world? 
that you would date in a way that when it ends, you're not upset with each other, but that you're actually encouraged by one another, by how honesty marked the relationship and how kindness marked the relationship and purity marked the relationship, that you would leave people better than you found them. This is love. And so we process love as a feeling. And so consider like it's, it's this idea of what are they devoted to? Like, what is the devotion of their life? Like, anybody here like Baylor, the Bears? Go Bears? Anybody? Okay, right? Like, I think I've got a picture of devotion. If, did you guys get, yeah, okay. That guy, he likes the Bears, right? And, and so, do you want to find someone that looks like that as it relates to Jesus? Now, I don't know, like, not just a cross or whatever, but I don't, I don't mean what they wear I mean, just the whole trajectory of their life. Where are they going? Where are they spending time? How are they serving? Are they un- under the authority of elders? They belong to a church. Like, this is simple stuff, but, but I'll be honest. It's not things you think about. And it's the basics, basics, basics. This is the non-negotiables that they would love God. Consider what they hold ultimate, right? And it's funny that when I ask people, like, hey, why do you love them? When I do somebody's wedding, why do you love him? Why do you love her? They say, because of the way he makes me feel. Well, that's interesting, but it's also very selfish. You would love somebody because of the way they make you feel. We love God because of the way he makes us feel. If we do that, the problem is that when we don't feel the emotion during worship, all the feels aren't there, then we're like, well, maybe God doesn't love me. No, I love God because of who he is. I love him because of his goodness. I love him because of the way he loves And so as you're considering somebody that you might spend the rest of your life with, consider those realities, right? Is he considerate of your feelings? Or is he constantly running game? Romans 12 says that love must be sincere. Does he leave you wondering? Men, girls, can I tell you something about girls? They wonder a lot. Girls wonder. I wonder if he likes me. I wonder if he's going to call. I wonder if he's going to text. I wonder if we're going to go out again. I wonder if I'll ever see him. I wonder if he's going to ask me out. I wonder if he likes my friend. Um... (laughs) And you can remove that confusion by just, did I just see a bird fly by? Did that happen? <laughs> you can remove that confusion by just, by just being honest. Come back with me. Come back with me. And so right about now in this message, you're like, oh, great. I'm ruined. Prom night. I looked at porn last week. He's just telling me that I'm, I'm never going to get married. Nobody's ever going to ask me out. I'm damaged goods. No. Can I tell you something? Nobody in this room is disqualified for marriage. Like that's the hope we have in Jesus. It's so beautiful. He puts pieces back together. He said, well, what do I do? Like if I've been looking at porn, what do I do if, I've, if I, I really messed up? What do I do if my last relationship was sexual? What do I do if I had this experience? What do I do? You start right now. Pursuing Christ with reckless abandonment. Like we were looking for a car for my wife the other day, and I, I found one that we could afford. It was discounted. And the reason that it was discounted is because it had been in a wreck. And, and I, I saw, I ran the Carfax, checked its reputation, if you will, its history, and I saw that it had been in a bad wreck. Now that's going to keep a lot of buyers away because it was a bad wreck, a really expensive to fix. But here's what I saw is that after that wreck, I could see the time. After that wreck, that car had ran faithfully for three and a half years with no problems. 
And that told me that even though there was damage there, that that damage was repaired appropriately because there was time from the damage to today and there was faithfulness in between. So I'm like, this is going to be a great car for us. And the same is true for you. Like if something's happened, if you're in the midst of addiction, if you know if you've struggled in particular ways, take a season to heal. Go in your calendar, right, and mark a year from now. And say, hey, don't date until now. Pray a lot between now and then. And just pursue Christ with reckless abandonment. You're going to be okay. You're not damaged goods and you're not disqualified. God can do a work there. There is hope in Jesus. Number four, what do they believe? Speaking of Jesus, what do they believe? Now, this is not just check the box. They're Christian. I saw them at vertical, right? This is, are they radically pursuing Jesus? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Right? This is not just, hey, we both own Bibles. This is the most loving thing someone told me when I was dating Monica. And we were a complete train wreck, a big mess, she and I. And he just said, this pastor sat us down and said, here's the reality, guys. Y'all need to stop pursuing each other. And y'all need to start pursuing Christ together. As you pursue each other, you're missing each other. There's manic highs and lows. You're experiencing all of this emotional roller coaster. But if you guys would start pursuing Christ together, you're going to keep growing closer and closer and closer. Because the Holy Spirit is going to begin to work in your heart to make you like Jesus. And as you both become more like Jesus, you're going to love each other as Jesus would love each other. And it sounded so cheesy and so Christian. And I thought, hey, thank you, Mr. Pastor Man. But the reality was that truth changed our life. It was prophetic, meaning it was something that he spoke over us that God used in our marriage eventually in the most profound way. So I would give you the same advice. Pursue Christ with reckless abandon. Let that mark your life above everything else. And I want you to know that if you never get married, it's going to be okay say something crazy if you never have sex it's gonna be okay you know the conversation that's never happened somebody dies they get up there in front of God what's up man no sex huh you wouldn't let me have sex down there. That's, that's, the, that's the truth, God. Why, why wouldn't you let me do? That's never happened. Okay. Like when did heaven stop being enough? See, you're here for that long. And then you're with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You're going to be okay. But the vast majority of you, you're going to get married. Pray you'd have children. I pray you'd raise them to know the king. And so where do you look? You, you look for, uh, you know, the, it's not the needle in a haystack. It's someone in the church. So you look inside the church. That's where you look. You look for people who are fully committed to the church. They belong there. They serve there. This is kind of a, you know, a tip to you. If you don't belong to a church, you don't serve there, you should. Because that's where I'm telling all the healthy Christians to look. So you should belong to a church, even if you're just there for a season, even if you're just passing through Waco, you belong to a church, you serve there, you contribute, you're under the authorities of the elders there, you become a member there, if that's a thing, right? And it's so much easier to find 
a spouse there, to date there. Like it's like I can go in Barnes and Noble and I can find a Christian book. Like if you blindfold me in Barnes and Noble and you spin me around and say, hey, go grab a book. And I grab a book, it's probably not going to be Christian. Okay, because there's lots of other books in there, right? And so, but if I go to Lifeway and I blindfold me, spin me around, I grab a book, it's probably going to be a Christian book. Then there's crazy in Lifeway, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's heresy in there. But most likely, I'm going to get... I'm going to get a Christian book, okay, because it's a Christian bookstore. That's kind of the same idea. Like, like go look where the Christians hang out and grab one off the shelf. Like, that's what you should do, okay. That's, that's what, what it means to look for a spouse, that you would go there and look there and, and find someone who radically loves Jesus there, right, where Christians hang out. So lastly, how do they purpose toward purity? How do they purpose toward purity? Purity is the word, and chastity may be in your, your Bible. To define purity says the state or practice of refraining from extramarital or especially from all sexual intercourse. Here's why this matters, because you're essentially looking for someone who's married to Christ first, that, that he has their heart. And this is a really key way to know if he has a heart. Guys ask me all the time, what does it look like to lead in dating? This is what it looks like to lead in purity. That as you, if you're going to try to lead in that relationship, which girls, it doesn't say girls submit to men. Okay, it says wives submit to husbands. If he's not your husband, don't feel any need to submit to him. It also says in mutual submission, Ephesians 5. But guys, if you want to know what it looks like to lead in a relationship, it looks like to lead in purity. How are you doing? That's where you lead. Okay? And so why does this matter? Because if someone will have sex with you before you're married to them, here's what they're telling you. They're telling you something really key, really, really important. And statistically, what I'm about to tell you is factually true. They're telling you, I have sex outside of marriage. So if I marry you, You just need to know I'm willing to have sex outside of marriage. That's what they're saying. And they're trying to tell you as clearly as they can. They're not using their words. They're using their actions. I am somebody who is not afraid of God. That's why he put his hand up your shirt. I'm not afraid of you, God. What are you going to do to me? I'm not afraid of you. First Thessalonians 4 says, God is the avenger of such things. I would proceed with caution. I know it seems like something everyone plays with. I know it seems like something that all the songs are about. Would you just examine their track record? It's not like the people singing those songs have the best marriages. So what do you want in life? Just, just consider that for a second. It's interesting because I've done a lot of marriages and, and I, I mean, I've done the weddings of people who've never kissed until they were up there. Which I know, think, I know that that's crazy, right, to you. That's crazy. You know that's why that we say that? You ever done in a, in a wedding, hey, you may kiss your bride? Because at once upon a time in history, that really was the permission Like, hey, right now, in front of everybody, as they stand witness, you guys can have your first kiss. 
But now it's like you kissed because you were drunk at crickets, right? And, and, right, not you guys, but somebody, you've heard about them. And, and, and so when that pastor says that, it's like, it's laughable. But I've done the weddings where, I mean, like, it's like, hey, you may kiss the bride, and it's like this nervous, awkward first time in front of everybody. And if you think it's silly, can I tell you something? They're going to have a better marriage than you all day long. Like, if I'm going to bet on somebody, like, I'm taking the couple that kissed for the first time on the altar. You can think they're crazy all day long, okay? But I, I, now I get to see which marriages work and which ones don't and how that goes. And I'm just saying, man, those couples... Something special going on there. They just put Christ first. And I'm not even saying, hey, you got to do that. That's not the prescription right now. I'm not like, hey, and everybody here, you need to wait till you're married to kiss. But you might. I'm just saying. And so you say, well, okay, JP, but how far is too far? It's the wrong question. How far do you want to go? Because, like, let's just be honest. You probably want to go all the way. And so it's kind of like if someone says, uh, you know, how close to the edge of the building can I get? If they're on the top of the alico, how close to the edge can I get? I'm like, do you want to jump off? Because if you want to jump off, just stay on the floor. Don't even get on the elevator. Right? In First Corinthians 6, it says, flee sexual immorality. And what does that mean, flee sexual immorality? It means you run from it. <laughs> right? That's what it means. It means you're in her apartment, right? And, and you sense that sexual immorality is a possibility and you text her on the other side of the door and say, I got to leave. That's what it means. You flee. And, and, and here's the, I think God's going to be really honored by that. You run from sexual immorality. You don't like look and poke and how far can I? No, you, you go. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits is outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You've been bought by a price. It cost somebody his life. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's really interesting. He says, you're not your own. What does this mean? It means you've got this thing on loan. Okay. Man, I'm going to go total dad illustration on you, and then we're almost done. But, but uh, I, we used to have this bounce house, okay? You guys know what a bounce house is? We had one, and, uh, and it was great. The kids loved it. We didn't have a trampoline. We had a bounce house. But everybody would want to borrow it. So they call, hey, we've got this birthday party. Can we borrow your bounce house? Sure. You know, lend freely. The scripture says anytime you can borrow. But when they come over, I give them rules. I'm like, hey, no adults, okay? Only four kids, all right? Don't put it on wet ground. Hey, you got to clean it out afterwards, all right? Make sure you set it up like this. And I'm giving them all these instructions. Why am I doing that? Because it's my bounce house. That's why, <laughs> okay? Because I own the bounce house. And I, I get to tell them how they treat my bounce house. That thing that you exist in, it ain't yours. You got it on loan. And so God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, gets to tell you how to treat that thing, both yourself and to others. You ha- you're borrowing it. Okay? It belongs to him. Bounce house eventually popped. Somebody else's possession. I'm still a little angry about it. (laughs) So in summary, you ask the questions, what do they say? That's their speech. What are they known for? Conduct. What do they love? Love. What do they believe? Faith. How do they purpose toward purity? Purity. 
my friend Ryan fell for this girl named Amy. And he was leaving for this trip to go to Ethiopia. Now, just to kind of tell you who Ryan is, like he saved himself for marriage. Like he's, as long as he can remember, he's been involved in the church. And um, Amy really is not his type. Uh, Amy, she, um, she had been divorced. Her ex-husband remarried. Uh, she had had an abortion. Um, but she had found Jesus and she was running hard with Jesus. And when Ryan looked at this list, he was like, I, I think that's who does these things better than anyone. Like I'm, I'm observing how she talks and how she loves and how she conducts herself, right? I'm observing her faith and, and just the way she's pursuing purity. And so he goes on, he asks her out and says, hey, I'm going on this mission trip. When I get back, I'd love to spend some intentional time with you. And um, meanwhile, she's like left just wondering because that's what girls do. They wonder. And um, she's like, I wonder if the Lord wants me to date him because he's not my type at all. Amy's kind of the cool girl. Ryan, not so much. But then she saw this list. And she's like, well, you know, when I consider the way that he talks and builds me up, I mean, there's something beautiful about that, Christ-like about that. And when I consider how he acts towards others, like he's not just interviewing for the job. It seems like he treats everybody with love and the way that he loves. And his faith is just incredible the way that he loves Christ and his purity. I'm envious of it. And so when he got back from Ethiopia, you know, he asked her out and they started dating and I had the, the privilege of doing their wedding. It's just, and what happened on that day is two ministries came together to strengthen to make one really powerful ministry. And I've been watching them do ministry together. They just adopted a son and uh, they're about to adopt another and just God's just doing this beautiful work in this marriage because these people put them first. See, what, what I ended up doing is I ended up finding a store that had the RB8301 size 56. And you know what I did when I, when I walked into that store? I bought them. And that's what you should do. When you find someone that you know checks out on these five things, guys, tell her, like, look her in the eyes, use your words, say, hey, I'd love to spend some intentional time with you. And, and just so there's not any confusion, I'm asking you out on a date. You don't even have to wonder, is this a date? Is it not? Is he my friend? No, I w- I'd like to go on a date with you. Use your words. It's, they'll appreciate that. Ladies, would you appreciate that? If they use their words? Okay, good. And ladies, and ladies, I got to tell you, like, his biggest fear is rejection. He's so afraid of you. He, he is afraid that when he says those words, you're going to say, you're so stupid, I would never spend one second with you. And um, I know it sounds silly, right? It sounds silly, but that's what he's afraid of. And so if it checks out, like if you know, like if you've observed these five things, just say yes. Say, yeah, we can spend some intentional time. It's just coffee. It's just common grounds. Why not? Let's do it. And um, get to know each other. Okay? As you consider your standards, because you all have them, just consider Jesus' standards. Jesus doesn't look at you and like, well, are you this tall or this short? And, you know, what does your body look like? What color is your skin? What's your background? How are your mom and dad? Jesus just looks at your heart. If your heart is his, he says, hey, come in. Come into relationship with me. 
be my bride. That's beautiful, isn't it? If some of you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to start there. Understand that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead. And by that alone, you are saved. Father, would you convince us of that now? As we move toward worshiping you, would you just show us your goodness and your grace and all that you've done for us? Thank you for your promises in the scripture. Thank you for Dale. I just pray you bless his leadership. I thank you for the ways that you are blessing his leadership. What an incredible young man. Thank you that you have his heart. Thank you for JC and just that you would bring her to Waco and Chambers and just this whole crew, their leadership team. Lord, would your just hands a blessing continue to be on this place and move in this place. And I know that I kept them long and so they've got tests and stuff. God, would you just supernaturally help them to ace those tests, Lord? Just you do that, okay? You can, you're big enough. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name, amen.